Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to The Range on the Believe Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. I'm Ralph Irvin, and today we are talking to a man who wins golf tournaments, and he knows how to make your game better. Is he a tour professional? Nope. How about a master instructor? No, not that either. Instead, what he is, is a shaft expert, and he can help any player achieve his or her best results with a little bit of fine-tuning. You see, this week on The Range, we are going on tour with Marshall Thompson, Technical Services Coordinator with Fujikura Composites, and in fact, he's here with us now on The Range. Marshall, The Range is the perfect place to find you, isn't it? Yeah, that is it. I spend a lot of my time, and thankfully I got some comfy shoes to uh, to support me. <laughs> so glad to have you join us here. We always start our talks here on The Range with a simple look back. When did golf enter into your life? Wow. Um, I had to be, I had to be about 10 years old and I was a swimmer growing up and I did competitive swimming. I went to junior Olympics and we lived in Arizona. So it was a good way to keep cool. And when we moved from Arizona to California, I remember going to my parents. I said, I think I'm done with swimming. I'm just tired of being wet. I'm tired of being in the pool. And my dad played golf and we got a membership over to Shatteridge Country Club, and I just started beating balls as a kid and, and uh, fell in love with it. You know, like swimming, I felt like it was a little bit of an individual sport. Um, and I just started putting in hours. And before that, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I think it was just probably more of daycare for my, uh, for my mom and dad just to dump me off at the course, and I'd be there for eight hours a day. But, you know, you just fall in love with the game and, 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 and how you can have so much success one day and have so much failure the other and it, and how to grind, how to continually grind and how to stay in a match and not give it away, you know, for 18 holes. I mean, five hours out of the course is a long time. So, you know, I just fell in love with everything about the creativity of it and, and hitting certain shots and, so I started at a young age, probably around 10, 11 years old. Were you competitive? I was very, very competitive. Yeah, I played a lot of junior. I played San Diego County Junior Golf. I played um, the junior tour. Um, I was fortunate because being, being a country club kid, there was, I would say, seven other kids my age that were we were pushing one another. We were having a great time playing golf, um, but we were also pushing one another to get uh, better and better and better. And, um, so, you know, I wanted to win every event I played in and, you know, I had a little success and it's just, I don't, the game has given me so much and it's just, I, I love this game probably even more to this day. And, um, you know, I don't get to play nearly as much as I used to, but, uh, the love for being out for five hours and grinding it out and having success and 
and, and, you know, overcoming some failures on the golf course, you know, where you make double and you got to get it back. And, uh, it's just, it, it's a, it, it's a wonderful game. You were in school when you had the opportunity to intern at Fujikura. Mm-hmm. How did that change your life? Yeah. So I was, uh, I had just gotten back from a study abroad program in London. And uh, I, I remember I was on, I'd just gotten back. I didn't have a job. And my, my mom went to bat for me. She knew Pete Sanchez and Dave Schneider at the time who were working at Fujikura and just threw out the idea of, Hey, are you you guys hiring? My son loves golf. And, um, he was a demo tech for TaylorMade, you know, uh, for a couple of years and just got back from a study abroad program. Do you have anything available? And I went in for the interview and Pat McCoy was the, he's the director of technical services. He's been here for 23 years. And I sat down with an interview and he's like, Hey, have you, do you have any club building experience? Do you have any, you know, and I had, I was so green. I had, I knew nothing and had no experience. And they fortunately put me in the tour department and, you know, I learned fitting. I learned shaft design. I learned the, the launch monitors. I kind of learned everything on, on site and, you know, fast forward now it's been 12 years. So uh, it just, the time keeps flying by and I'm still hungry for knowledge. And, and how do I, how do I help people play this game at a higher level? And that's where, you know, Fujikura is able to, we, we create, I feel the, the, the world's best performing golf shafts and, and I can really help, you know, the general consumers from tour pros to enjoy this game as much as I had. So it's been an amazing 12 years and um, yeah, it all started with a conversation. My mom going to bat for me. <laughs> as you learned to fit and build clubs, did it change your perspective on the game? Yeah. You know, I, I realized that how much, how much better I could get. And I saw it in my own game. And when I started fitting, you know, I, I learned how to fit from, from Pat and John Hovis here. I learned launch monitors. I learned, you know, certain heads with certain CGs match up well for certain swing types. Some heads are more right bias. Some heads are more draw bias. Some are higher spin, lower spin. And, you know, once you marry those two combinations together and I saw the success that I was having, and I honestly started playing my best golf, I would say I'm playing my best golf now. Um, and I, and I owe it to, you know, my knowledge of, of fitting and club building and, and getting the specs exactly that works for myself because we're all different. We all have a different swing. We all deliver the club and the shaft differently to the ball. So my clubs are going to be different than your clubs and your clubs are going to be different than somebody else's. And so that's where I really found out, Hey, the equipment and getting fit for the right equipment, they make the biggest difference in the world. And uh, you're much more consistent. You play at a much higher level and a much more consistent level. And you're able to do that more often. And, you know, that's all from the club fitting side. That's all from the shaft development side. So that's kind of where I found my niche. And, you know, I saw the results of my own game and I'm like, I can help consumers and I can help tour pros do the same thing. Were there big milestones that you kind of reach where it's like, whoa, you know, suddenly I'm doing things that I never thought I could have done before. Yeah. You know, just the, just the understanding of, you know, the launch monitors and how to efficiently use those to, you know, understand uh, somebody wants to take out one side of the course of play to understand how to get them there. Yeah. You know, you just start diving in and you start becoming hungry for knowledge and 
you know, before, and I've been fortunate enough to be at a company to where I have a lot of these tools at my disposal. So um, I'm sitting next to a, a center of gravity machine that I measure the center of gravity of every single head that comes in the market. We have an inertia machine that I'm measuring the inertia of these heads. So I know every detail about these heads and what they will do for a consumer. And then you match that up. Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't know anything about club building. I know how to club build uh, to a very high level. I know how to fit at a very high level. And I understand how shafts are rolled and, and, and certain materials allow for the ball to fly in a certain way. And so you just become hungry for knowledge. And then that hunger for me and working at such a great company has never stopped. And, um, you know, it's, you're always pushing yourself and we're all pushing each other to design the next greatest shaft of all time. And, you know, we're hungry for that. We want people to play more consistent and better golf. And I think those are, those are my milestones of that. I've just kind of under, I understand how everything works from a club head and a shaft uh, design side and, and you marry those two together and it's, you know, it's the perfect harmony of how people can start playing better golf. And so I think those are my milestones of really getting an in-depth knowledge of not only shafts, but also club heads and how to properly fit people for them. You, you look at how long you've been in the industry and you always look at say others that maybe had come in you know, a number of years before. The funny thing is because of technology, anyone who came into the industry really before you still had to learn everything that you learned around the same time because there was such an evolution with launch monitors, the ability to fit clubs, to adjust clubs, and to measure the results. Yeah, that's it. Time has changed, you know, everything, you know, so dramatically. I mean, if you look at, you know, when I first started, and we're talking, you know, I've been in, I've been around the golf industry for 17 years and, you know, I've been at Fuji for 12 and, and just in that amount of time, uh, you know, yes, we, we, we never had launch monitors growing up. That's what our eyes were for. You know, you could see if something was spinning too little or too much, or it was flying a certain direction. Um, and now we have machines that track all this for us. And so it, it, it has made it easier, but there's also a learning curve involved that we all had to go through. Um, but it's so funny because if you look at the younger generation, the kids that are coming up in the college and the amateur ranks, they're traveling with trackmen. So they, they know all of this information they they, you know, they were kind of born into it and they understand it and they adapt to it. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, trying to stay ahead of the curve as much as we can. And it's amazing to see how much knowledge these younger kids have at, at, at their age and, and how they're adapting to it and using it to their advantage, uh, whether it's, you know, from, you know, working out to club fitting, to um, fitting, to, you know, it's, it's amazing what these younger generation has had at their feet and how well they're adapting and how much knowledge they have. What year did you first go on tour to help the pros with their clubs? Well, uh, that was, let's see, I started in 2000. It was probably like 2009. I, um, I kind of got my feet wet, you know, he heading out to a few tour events and, you know, working with people I've idolized my, my whole life and, you know, seeing how good these guys are. And, you know, I'm coming from a playing background to where, you know, we all have the hope and dream of making it to that next level, but, you know, you get out and you watch these guys and just hit little pitch shots or sand shots or, um, you know, what their hands are doing or, or just how good these players are and, and how we're making them better you know, that was the, that was, that's always the challenge, right? These guys are hungry. They're playing for millions of dollars. How do they get better? And, 
and getting in there and, and working with some, some, some players. And honestly, you, you fail, you fail a lot. Um, uh, but you, but you learn what you learn from your failures. Right. So I, I know that a certain player who's using a certain shaft, I was trying to fit him into something, you know, maybe wanted a lower launch and lower spin and take out the left-hand side. Well, you know, we try a certain product and it didn't quite do what it was supposed to do. And it has to register in my mind. Okay. Well, if I had a second opportunity, this is where I would go. And sometimes on the PGA tour, you don't have a second opportunity. Sometimes you only get that one opportunity with the player. So, um, yeah, it's, that's where my love, you know, for it. And, and, and I still love the consumer side of it. I'm not going to lie, you know, taking the average golfer and getting them to break 90 or getting them to break 80. To me, there's, there's more enjoyment in that, you know, all these tour player, players can, you know, flip a rake around backwards and hit it good. Um, but you know, a lot of times what they're trying to do is, is on a much smaller scale than what the general consumer is trying to do. And that's where my love kind of, you know, I got my feet wet and really wanted to make that my full-time, uh, my job. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to get out to a handful of events a year. And, um, uh, I'm also working a lot with the corn Ferry and a, a college and amateur golf, which I really love, you know, working with the younger generation too. There's a feeling that you'd have to have that you're in the arena that you have one to track down people that want to try something new from Fujikura, but two, you've got to make it happen. You've got to go to the truck. You've got to make sure that the build happens and that it's something that's going to fit their game and you've got to do it quick. Otherwise you're going to miss out on that opportunity to really fit the player. Yeah. You know, sometimes you only have five minutes and fortunately enough with, you know, or 10 minutes, you know, fortunately enough with the quick set epoxy and things you can, you can get clubs built and, and, and tried out on launch monitors relatively quick, quickly. But, you know, for, for Fuji and, and how we stay ahead of our competition and, and how we um, continually help these tour players is, is um, we have to be the smartest one in the room. And, and, and how we do that is, uh, using statistics. So I have information for on every single tour player for every single event they play all of their shot link and track man data on course. Right. So we know that there's a difference sometimes between the range and, and playing on course. It was sometimes adrenaline's going, sometimes we move it harder. Sometimes we don't. Um, so I, I understand. And I look at this, this data and the statistics on how these players are playing um, each week on tour. So a lot of times I can spot a problem, whether it's, if it's with spin or directionality or, um, ahead of the, ahead of maybe sometimes they even know there's a problem. So we're looking at stats every single week and understanding, well, you know what, there's a, a loft issue. There's a shaft issue. There's a spin issue. There's a directionality issue. This is what they're currently playing. How do we make it better with what are, what we currently have? And so that's the main thing is how do we take the guesswork out of it? How do we, how do we show up with more data than we know what to do with and, and make the right call and the right setting and the right head to get these players to hitting it exactly how they want it to. Um, and so that's where we've always had the advantage is using statistics on a weekly basis on every single player and knowing exactly how they're hitting it and how we can make them better. I think it's gotta be an interesting dynamic because Fujikura does not pay players to use their shafts. But that said, OEMs pay players to use their clubs. And it's almost incumbent on you to make the OEMs look good to the players by by delivering the proper engine to those clubs. I mean, 
yeah, they're being paid by a tailor-made or a titleist to use the clubs, but it's your shaft that really is going to power them to success. And so everybody wants the best out of Marshall, so to speak, on the range. Yeah, you know, and that's where we include the OEMs on everything that we're doing. Um, and we, we understand that they are paying, you know, some of these players large sums of money to use their product and it needs to perform at a high level. And, you know, I am there to, uh, assist the OEMs with, you know, my experience and my knowledge from the shaft side of it. And then they're bringing their knowledge from the head side of it. And, you know, two minds are better than one. And, and I guarantee we can, we can solve a lot of problems if we work together on a lot of these, uh, sometimes issues that, that a player, you know, brings up or presents to us. So, we, we have to have great relationships with our OEM partners and um, it's a level of trust. And, you know, then they understand, you know, if, if we do a good job and we present the data and the statistics from a weekly basis and say, I think that this player can improve, they'll, they'll understand that. You can't just blindly go into it and go, well, hey, I want so-and-so to try this new shaft today. I think it would work great. No, there's got to be something behind it and a reason why we think it would be successful for him, for him to switch. And if it is, we'll bring it to the OEM's attention and then we'll have something built up from them. Then we'll, we'll go. But, you know, we also have relationships too uh, with a lot of these players so they can lean on us. But yeah, you know, uh, we, we have to include the OEMs in on everything that we do because they're, they're the ones spending the big bucks on it. And, um, but uh, if we can bring a level of knowledge and expertise from the shaft side and, and the data side on a weekly basis and make the best decision and then, and then prove it out, um, we're going to win a lot of those battles and the OEMs are going to be very receptive of it. As a fitter and a technical guy, how'd you react the first time you met Enzo? <laughs> yeah. So Enzo, I'm not going to lie. It hasn't been easy. That's been, a, that's been a little bit of a headache. You know, uh, again, you know, we, we wanted to, again, this is, this is going back to maybe even our st stats page, you know, how do we do our job at a higher level? How do we do things that other companies aren't doing? How do we stay ahead of the curve? And we felt, you know, on tour, we could do that with statistics, but for our R and D side, we felt motion capture was the way to go. Right. And so we, we currently have a 10 camera system and these cameras go up to about 2000 frames per second. And it allows me to show how the shaft is bending, deflecting, and twisting prior to impact, how much it's leading, lagging, drooping. Um, and all of that goes into how a player hits the center of the face and, and how that can potentially change ball flight and spin rates and launch angles. And, um, you know, we call it like an MRI for the golf shaft, right? We're able to see what this club is doing in, in, this, in this swing space. And it just helps and assists our R&D side um, it helps me with knowledge, one, to know exactly the difference between like a Ventus blue and a Ventus black and a Ventus red and how much dynamic loft maybe it would potentially add or decrease by using these, these shafts or spin rates or impact locations, how those can change for certain swing types. So it's been an unbelievable experience. And for me, you know, being very knowledge hungry and, and needing to know exactly what these products are doing for certain swing speeds or certain swing types. It just assists me when I'm working with tour players or consumers and getting them in the right product. So Enzo has been a, it hasn't been easy. There was a little startup phase that took us a little while to, to get the program set up, but we're in a very good space. And um, it, it's literally pushed us beyond our competitors. And we're, we're doing some amazing things in the design world 
And, and I think it's proving out, obviously, if you look at our sales and the consumers and the tour pros that are using our, our current lineup of products, it's, it's beyond our wildest dreams. And we're just going to keep pushing the envelope as, as, as best we can. Well, and it should be noted that whenever you come out with a new shaft, everybody there in the offices suddenly wants to run into the Enzo lab and <laughs> see exactly how the new shaft's performing for them. No doubt. I mean, I hang out in here quite a bit. You know, you, you won't find me at my desk. I'm either either building clubs or hitting balls or doing some uh, some research on Enzo. So it's been uh, it's been a fantastic addition to our research and development side. And, um, you know, we're just going to continually use it to for the existence of new products. And we're testing out new materials, new designs. And, you know, our engineering group does a phenomenal job and we're pushing the envelope as far as you know, what we can do and get away with and, and design and materials are continually going to get better. And, you, you know, having, having a system that nobody else has and, and using it, how to see how the club is moving through space, it gives us a very big advantage. Let's talk about shafts themselves, because to an untrained eye, folks see steel, they see graphite or composite. That's it. I mean, that's, that's what they see. They see a, a logo on there for whoever makes it. Without going too deep, what is it that people don't generally know that can help them understand the science inside that really does make the shaft the engine of the golf club? You know, especially with graphite materials, you have the ability to um, change bending stiffness and twisting st stiffness separately because I can lay the material at a you know zero degree angle, which goes down the shaft that affects your bending stiffness or at a plus or minus 45 degree angle that affects your torsional twisting. So I can do those independently versus steel. You can't steel is isometric. You can only do one thing with it. And a lot of times when you try to change a butt flex, a tip flex, a weight, something else usually goes with it. So I can control these things independently. However, you're still getting the added benefits of, of graphite, you know, for, um, better feel, um, and, and also a lot of times with weight too, I, I had the ability to, um, you know, especially in some wooden hybrid shafts to go at a, a much lighter weight with sometimes a, um, a higher stiffness, just because I I'm able to control that independently. So, um, graphite gives you a large advantage I feel over steel. Um, and it's something that you're, you're seeing it's translating a little bit more on the tour level. Um, if you look at the consumer level, um, and they're going in and getting fit at one of our charter dealers. You see a lot of people coming out with graphite iron shafts now, which that, you know, always used to be, you know, steel. You're seeing a lot of people throw graphite in their wedges. Um, they're running it through the whole bag. And, and, you know, the other thing is, is what I, what I've been telling people is the dampening of vibrations is, is key and, and the effect that it has on our body. And we want people playing this game as long as they possibly can. And graphite's going to allow you to do that. And it's just going to be, yeah, you can, you can have a higher performance than steel. You can, you can exactly do whatever you want to the product, whenever you want. And you, um, you just get a better performing part and you can do, you can do anything with graphite. I imagine that when you work with folks, if, if folks come in and hit on Enzo and I imagine they've got to be shocked when they see that there can be a graphite shaft that's stronger, stronger than steel can be lighter or heavier than steel for that matter. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a lot of people don't know how graphite shafts are, are made and, and, and the process that, that goes into it, you know, rolling material around a mandrel and putting it, you know, in 
certain material in the tip, certain material in the handle, you're trying to hit a, a specific stiffness, um, you know, for, for the EI curve or, or even a torsional stiffness, you're trying to make something that, um, you know, drastically change, you know, either lower or higher. So I think it's just, if you can get a consumer in here, you know, whether it's at our studio or whether it's harder dealers, you know, they just have to go through the process and hit the product and then, um, you know, physically see, Hey, that is easier on the body. I am launching it higher. I have the correct spin rate to sit, to hit and hold a green, um, to where maybe I didn't have that ability before. Um, but I think it comes down to feel, you know, to, to me, feel is, is such a player dependent thing. And you, the feel that you get from maybe not one of our profiles, but there's such a wide variety of products that we make with different feels and different tip flex and butt flex that we truly can. That's what we're a fitting company. And we, that's why we make so many different profiles is to fit so many different um, swing types and club speeds. And, you know, we, we have a, a very high success rate of players that come in here and when they get fit for it, that they walk away going, I should have done this earlier. No doubt. No, I've experienced that firsthand. Let's let's get back on tour because a typical week for you is not what people would think is a typical week for the PGA Tour, any tour, because your week really starts first thing Monday morning as players just start to trickle out onto the range. Yeah, so usually what we do is um, we're always ahead of the event. So if they're finishing up like they just finished up at Torrey Pines and then they're going to um, you know Hartford for the uh, the next event. So, you know, while they're finishing on Sunday, we are usually flying to the next destination to the next event and the trucks and trailers are already there. And so we arrive on Sunday, we're at the course Monday morning, usually, usually pretty early. And you're, you're finding the players that are there are usually the ones that maybe missed the cut. They didn't have a great week, the, you know, the week before, and, you know, maybe they're grinding a little bit, they need to work on some things. Um, and then players start filtering in, you know, usually Monday afternoon, once they've traveled, you know, if it's from the West coast and they're having East coast they they usually get there in the afternoon or Tuesday, you know, a lot of these veteran guys, you know, they've already played the course multiple numerous times. They kind of know what, what it is and they'll show up Tuesday and Wednesday to get their practice in. But, um, yeah, we are, we are on the range Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and fly back Wednesday night. And, you know, we have three days to, to service as, you know, as many players as, as needed and, and get them fit into, you know, the proper equipment. And, you know, that's where course conditions um, has a big, a big play because, you know, different grains of grass, maybe the fairways are soft, maybe they're hard firm, you know, maybe they need to change their descending angle of how the golf ball is coming in. Um, so we're, we're getting them set up and ready for the, the course that they're about to play, but you were usually, you know, ahead of the, ahead uh, of the tour, um, you know, every week. Are you approaching players or at this point, are they coming to look for you? It depends on who's the range, right? And, and, and the relationship that we have with the player. But yeah, a lot of times it's it's checking in on them. So if it's a guy using a Fuji, hey, how's everything going? Is there anything uh, anything wrong? Anything that we need to pay attention to? And, you know, if not, then we move on and, you know, we just check in and make sure everything's working okay. A lot of times they'll come to us or they'll head to the OEM and they'll check in with them and say, hey, you know what? I was out on a hole last week and my hybrid's carrying 10 yards short. I think I'm spinning it too much. And then, you know, we, we will potentially change a shaft or a quick loft change and, and get them set up. And, you know, then there's maybe some guys that are, have been struggling for a couple of weeks and we need to spend an hour or two, you know, they're testing, you know, different driver heads, different lofts, different shafts, and they're going through the whole gauntlet. So it's, it's, 
it's dependent upon what the player is is wanting to do and how they've been playing with the lead uh, with the weeks leading up to it. Back in 2019, you guys introduced Ventus. I imagine because of everything that's come out with that shaft, that in its development, that was kind of like an all hands on deck that they wanted input from every source within the company to really dial this thing in. Is that what it was like? I mean, what was your role like in that development? I had the pleasure of doing all the testing for it. So I was um, I was home uh, in office for a decent amount of time. And, you know, we, we, our engineering team had, they got some new materials. We had a new idea um, of, of a profile that we wanted to do. And we started laying up the first prototypes in house at our facility in Carlsbad. And, um, you know, it was all based off of Enzo research. And the, the whole goal was, um, you know, of the product. And to me, the most important part of the fitting process is how do I get a player to hit the center of the face most consistently? And so, that's where our engineering team took some uh, unique uh, internal designs, um, you know, and I think we talked earlier about uh, material that goes at plus or minus 45 that affects your torsional twisting. So we, we put some unique materials and we did them full length and, um, you know, we were trying to get the club head to minimize from twisting and allow for more center face contact. And we took the first couple of prototypes out and, and, the testing showed it was doing exactly what we wanted it to. And to me, that's the most important part of a fitting. If I can get somebody to hit center of the face, one, they're going to increase their ball speed Two, they're going to hit it straighter because if I'm hitting heel or toe, there's a bulge in roll of the head. And that allows for a lot of gear effect, as they say, a mm-hmm. lot of movement, a lot of curvature of the golf ball. So if I'm getting a player to hit it more center of the face, I'm eliminating gear effect. They're hitting a straighter shot and they're increasing their ball speed. So that was what we were after is how can we get a product to hit center of the face and minimize twist uh, more consistently. And we were able to do that with Ventus and the Velo core technology was huge and we proved it out on Enzo. We took it to the testing. It was far superior to anything we had. And, you know, we, we knew, we knew how good the part it was. You just never know how well it's going to get adopted on tour mm-hmm. uh, and at the consumer level, you just, you just have no idea. And, we we staggered the launch. We had the blue that came out first, and we launched it at Napa, um, the fir- one of the fir- one of the first of the PGA events of the fall. We got a couple in play, and then man, it seemed flash forward like six months later. It's just the, the you know, and then introducing the red and the black, and it, it just took off it, beyond our wildest expectations. And and this is what I've told a lot of people too, is what I was most shocked at was usually when you give a player a new part, like let's just say he was hitting Ventus Blue. And it, it was good, but maybe it wasn't quite the profile that worked well for him. Usually once they've tried a specific brand, eh, I've already tried that one, we're good. It's amazing to see how many players that who have tried the Ventus Blue, maybe it wasn't quite what they were looking for, who were willing to try the black or the red or, you know, try all three versions of that same shaft. You don't see that happen. It's like, usually I, I hit that. I tested it. It was okay. It didn't work. And that's still happening to this day. I mean, I think we had over 80 something Ventus in play, um, you know, at some of these tour events. I mean, it's continuing to grow out on tour and we're three years into it. So it's been, it surpassed our wildest expectations. We knew it was going to be good. It was a fantastic part because that's all we, you know, we create, we feel we create, you know, the best performing parts out there 
and it took off and it's had wild success on tour. But I tell you what, where it's had the most success is in the aftermarket. The general consumers are seeing what the tour pros are seeing as well. They're seeing more distance. They're seeing more consistency. They're seeing more center face contact. And our charter dealers are loving the three flight options, having the red, the blue, and the black. I mean, gosh, you can fit anybody into, into one of these events. So it far surpassed our expectations. And uh, we're, we're just so thrilled and we're, we're, we're loving the success. But at the same time, we also have the pedal down and then we're, we're trying to figure out how do, how do we continually get better? How do, we beat, how do we beat what we have? And we won't release a product until we're confident knowing that, hey, it's hitting a specific goal. And it, is, it is beating a certain profile. You talk about the willingness to try the different models with the pros and it was a driver shaft. And yet I imagine immediately once they had felt it and once they had experienced it, they were coming to you. Okay. I want this in my three wood as well. Yeah. And then they had to drive. I mean, obviously you've since come out with the hybrid. Mm -hmm. I imagine that that was driven by, there was demand for, Hey, I want this and the shorter clubs as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just kind of filters through the whole bag. You know, usually when you find success, you know, whether it's with a driver or a three wood, you kind of want to replicate that feel. And also it's dependent upon what a player wants to do in terms of launch and spin and how they want to use it, whether it's a three wood off the tee or if it's off the deck and I'm going to be hitting it into a long par five, you know, or the hybrids, you you usually want to keep that feel somewhat consistent, you know, throughout, throughout the bag. And so that's where, you know, a lot of these players start adopting three woods and hybrids and um, the success we've had, it just continues to grow. And I'm so thankful to, to, to be a part and to have a, had a hand in, I would say our, our best launch prior to this. I mean, Atmos was amazing. We had a great ride with, with Atmos. Um, but, uh, you know, our speeder going back to 1997, when we first launched the speeder, it that was the cream of the crop. Oh, everybody wanted it and to, to have a product in this day and age that is even at a higher level than our speeder and it's it's well known and everybody needs it and wants it and and it's having success and it's working for their game that's the most important part you can see all these guys using it and then that makes you want to use it but sometimes you don't have that success so these consumers are having the success that the same tour players are um, and they're playing better golf. And I just, I get stopped all the time. I'll wear my Ventus hat or my Fuji Kura shirt. So many people come up and say, man, that Ventus is something special. <laughs> well, Marshall, we like to wrap up our conversations on the range by jumping into the Wayback machine. So for you, I have a special project. Yeah. I know you're a big hitter, so we're going to talk driver here. Okay. But not your current gamer. Okay. So not your current gamer. But build yourself an all-time driver with your favorite driver head from over the years, and obviously then your favorite Fujikura shaft. Oh man, my favorite driver. Um, I will say my TaylorMade R11s was one of my all-time favorite drivers, and it had a Matori Speeder Tour Spec 6.2 in it, and it didn't go left, and it was it just was a fairway machine. Um, and that, that product worked really well. I tell you what though, I am having a lot of success with my current driver right now. And it is a, um, a ping G four ten with a Ventus black. And it, it kind of has a lot of those similarities to that R 11 S. And I just remember, I just, I couldn't miss a fairway with it. And even the ones that I do miss, there's just no curve. 
I could put whatever swing on it. It's point and shoot. And I would say my current setup is probably the best driver I've ever had in my life. <laughs> point and shoot is a great for a camera. It's even better for a driver. <laughs> Most people don't get that. Well, I, I wish for sure. the hard part is, is the driver is so good and you want the wedges and the irons to do the same. And I'm like, I'm not having the same success. I'm like, oh, if I just, maybe I just need 14 drivers in my bag with different lofts and we'll be good to go. <laughs> there you go. That will work. Well, Marshall, I was fortunate to have met you a few years ago when we did a driver fitting with Enzo and the results led to better driving ever since. And you've helped countless pros out on the tour ranges and contributed to the development that ultimately benefits thousands of golfers around the world. So we thank you for all of that work and thanks for joining us here on the range. Thanks buddy. Happy to, uh, Happy to come in and do an interview with you. And it's always great talking with you. And I, you know, uh, you're passionate about this game just as we are. And, you know, we're going to continue doing our thing and create the, the best product we can. And uh, we just want to help people play better golf and enjoy the game as much as we enjoy it. And that's our mission. That was Marshall Thompson from Fujikura. And seriously, folks, we met when I did my first Fujikura feature for the Golf Spotlight. And he was able to really show the difference that a shaft can make on the golf swing. There are so many slight variables that differentiate so many shafts, and it takes experts like Marshall to cut through the clutter and find the right one for your swing. But that said, you can be certain there is definitely one out there for you. That's our message this week. There is a lot to be said for marketing and advertising that is done by club manufacturers from around the world. It is designed to appeal to us as players, as fans, maybe even as technicians. Take in the information, and if a club grabs your attention, look into it. Dive in, if that's your inclination. But ultimately, before buying any golf club, work with a fitter. Whether it's your local club pro, a fitter at a local off-course golf shop, or a partner like Club Champion Golf, get the feedback on how the club is performing for you. In almost every case, there are better shaft options out there that will fit your swing. Try them, evaluate them, and then decide if this new club is for you. You wouldn't buy a new pair of shoes if they didn't fit right, right? And if you wanted to look your best, you know that seeing a tailor can make any suit look like a million bucks. Apply these parameters to your club purchases because your game deserves that level of scrutiny. You're going to use these clubs for a long time, so ensure the right fit. What's new for 2021 in golf equipment? Find out with the Golf Spotlight. We are dropping new features all the time, looking at clubs, accessories, footwear, and more. Go to thegolfspotlight.com, click on the YouTube subscribe button, and turn on those notifications so you never miss one of our exclusive features. There is a lot to catch up on, and it's always changing. Stay up to date on the range by following us on Instagram at the Golf Spotlight. We are also on Twitter at Golf Spotlight. We welcome your comments everywhere. You've listened this far, so subscribe to The Range on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or iHeart. That will do it for this episode of The Range. We're going to enjoy a 4th of July break to celebrate our nation's independence, but we will be back with a new episode on Wednesday, July 14th. But for now, let's hit the course. But again, give some thought to your shafts. They just may be the engines that you need to get your game motoring forward. And we'll talk to you next time, right here on the range. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.